Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Saturday. Big show on the way. Sean Gaheen joins us after Cursey Rovers booked their spot in the Senior A hurling final last night. Dennis Hurley will talk us through tomorrow's Premier Senior semi-finals. Two huge games at Porky Cueve. Another gold medal for Paul O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy. We'll reflect on another dominant display by the Cork duo. Ireland are in Nations League action. Dylan O'Connell is at Hampton Park where Kenny's men take on Scotland. We'll hear from Stephen Kenny and John Egan and bring you the team news as soon as we get it. And to finish up, we'll hear from the Munster camp ahead of their game with Dragons tomorrow. That's all coming up before seven. Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock on Cork's Red FM. You're listening to The Big Red Bench. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you want to get in touch, 0868 104 106 or at Big Red Bench on Twitter. Um, now, um, of course, with the international break, it's another weekend without Premier League action, but there is uh, plenty of action going on elsewhere. In the early hours of this morning, Kerry's Mark O'Connor and Alicia's Zach Tui followed in the footsteps of of Ty Kennelly by becoming an AFL Premiership champion. The Irish duo helped Geelong defeat Sydney Swans by a dominant 133-52 to in this morning's final at the MGC. Uh, Tui was playing his 250th game in the AFL, which is an astonishing achievement. I'm not an AFL expert by any stretch of the imagination, but from what I've read during the week, to reach 250 games is quite astronomical. I think he's it's a very, uh, it's a very uh, limited club anyway of, of players who have reached that um, O'Connor was a late replacement for the injured Max Holmes and by all accounts as well Mark O'Connor would walk into pretty much any other team in the AFL but he's playing for the best um, so yeah look he's got his medal and he got his few minutes on the pitch as well so uh, very good for him um, Roger Federer said an emotional goodbye to tennis last night one of the greatest players of all time teamed up with fellow legend Rafa Nadal in the doubles at the Labour Cup in London um, and before they ever walked out um, there, someone set their arm on fire there was a, another protest I think it's the, there was a protest as well at the French Open where someone cable tied their, their neck to uh, the, the the net or something like that and actually that happened in Goodison Park as well but yeah there's been a few protests in, in the tennis this guy managed to set his arm on fire anyway very strange but uh, they eventually got rid of him and they brought out uh, they brought out the stars uh, Federer was given a long ovation after walking off court following a performance from Eddie Goulding because um, that was necessary uh, Federer says it was some way, some way to retire from the sport I mean the match yes in itself sure is special but uh, it's really everything that happened after because I wasn't aware who was going to come to sing um, what was going to happen what was expected of me or how long it was going to go and then I guess looking around and seeing how everybody got emotional Yeah it's a real change of the times isn't it Serena one week and Roger Federer gone the next um, and it probably looks like Rafa Rafa Nadal is probably going to retire after the uh, after uh, next year, after uh, the French, after Roland Garros, I suppose, uh, is probably when he's going to going to pack it in. Um, so yeah, and all that's going to be left then is uh, is Djokovic, I suppose, from that that you know th- 
trio but uh, there's a new wave of, of tennis stars coming through um, it's new world number one so um, it's not all doom and gloom in the tennis world um, it's uh, looking like Leona McGuire is back in contention at the Women's Irish Open uh, a third round of 65 has her right back up there uh, the Cavan woman recovered from a bogey on her first hole to finish 7 under for the day at Tremoland Castle um, she's 9 under now for the tournament and I'm just going to check that score again as we hear from her uh, just to make sure nothing has changed since um, but uh, yeah after three rounds of play she finished up in a tie for seventh place as things stood then um, so a five weight tie I'll just give a check on that at the County Clare course but let's hear from uh, Leona McGuire as I do that uh, she says the fans played a part in her recovery after a disappointing second round yeah I mean you're obviously trying to do as well as you can you want to give people something to cheer about so no it's been it's been fantastic the crowds have been bigger than I expected especially out early this morning and it's it's like everybody's been saying it's it's almost like a major it's almost like a Solheim Cup this week and um, it's nice to have, have crowds rooting for you yeah, it's, it's it's very difficult to find this leaderboard, I have to say. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give a check on that uh, as soon as I can. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll come on to the roars and I'll get an update on those scores uh, from the Women's Open. Um, Paula Donovan and Finta McCarthy, of course, took gold at the World Rowing Championships in the Czech Republic today. Uh, the Cork pair eased to victory in the final of the lightweight men's double skulls. And I have to say, uh, like it's just incredible to see Irish guys be that dominant in a field you know and even uh, Jerk Hanning was com- on commentary and I can't remember the other uh, the other guy's name on co-commentary but like it's just I could not relax watching it at all because they're just there going yeah they're going to win it they're going to win it by clear water you know it's it's handy don't relax they're winning it like that is just we're not used to that as Irish people like you know we've we always have that bit of a, an inferiority complex but uh, like these guys are just like uh, class above you know and it's it's uh, it's great that they're from Cork as well I suppose um, but yeah, they they did pull away eventually. Um, but you know that confidence and that cockiness, I, we're not used to it. I don't know whether it suits us or not. Um, but uh, we're definitely not used to it. And uh, that race, for as much as they were trying to tell us that it was all okay, it was in the bag. I think it actually made it worse. Uh, but anyway, uh, elsewhere, Eva Casey and Margaret Kremen also medal for Ireland. They came home for bronze in the women's lightweight double skulls. The women's four of Africa: Emer Lamb, Fiona Marta, and Emily Hergerty finished sixth in their final. But um, I think five finals today, uh, or four finals anyway, um, in A finals um, for Ireland uh, today, and two medals, a gold and a bronze. Not bad at all. Here are Paul and Finton with Artie's David Gillick, and um, I'm pretty sure Eva Casey and Margaret Kremen uh, jump in on the interview towards the end as well. Massive congratulations. Um, you're simply unbeatable by this stage. And Paul, for yourself, your fifth consecutive World Championship gold medal. How does that make you feel? Oh, it's fine, yeah. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. You come here, obviously, with an expectation of the pressure, but you make it look so easy. Um, well, I don't know, like... There's no expectation or pressure, really. Like, I think that's just something people talk about, you know, and we wouldn't be too concerned about what people think. <laughs> Finton, you're cracking a smile. He may not be cracking a smile, but you're cracking a smile. No, yeah, I'm happy, you know. Um, I think we 
you know, we decided to come here without, you know, our usual preparation. So I'm just kind of just really proud of how we approached it. And I think regardless of the medal, like the trust we had in each other to prepare the way we did, I think is really going to stand to us in the next few years. And so to us, this as well. So yeah, just really happy and, and proud. Yeah, because obviously coming back of the, off the back of the Europeans, a lot going on. Um, Paul obviously had his studies and stuff like that. Um, it wasn't probably the ideal lead lead into a world championship but in saying that it just shows the confidence that you guys have and that trust you have to come out here and like let's be honest dominate with a performance like that yeah um Sorry for the first half. I knew you did because you look at me on flag. <laughs> I was just saying, in terms of your preparation for this, obviously off the back of the Europeans, um, you know, it wasn't the, the perfect prep for this. Paul was studying, um, you had training camps and things like that, but it just shows the level of confidence and trust you have between us. Yeah, definitely. And I think the the trust in our coach and in our program as well, I think without that, we we wouldn't have been as confident to come here without the, our usual time together. And so I think, uh, yeah, it was it was just a really good, good year for us. Really. And Paul, how did the race unfold? You know, obviously you've got your own kind of plan in your head. Did it kind of go to plan, so to speak, and you kicked on about K and you really opened up that gap and pulled through? I think much. To, I mean, as in so far as we make a plan, we don't really, but uh, yeah, you know, that's kind of the standard the way things kind of unfold for us. We had, we had not bad first 10, 15 strokes, you know, it was good, and, and we uh, held that Italy or, or like to go on hard after that again and open up a lead, and they did that. Um, the Swiss tried to push on in the middle then and we kind of held their move, pulled through the rest of them and, and kind of squeezed on a bit in the second half. So yeah, much like usual. So this ra- this rich reign of form um, that you're, you guys are in at the moment, how do you maintain that? Obviously it's a big two years, obviously Paris, Worlds, Europeans, all that to come. So how do you keep going? I suppose train as usual, David. <laughs> <laughs> Have a bit of fun when, as well, yeah? Uh, yeah, you can fun. It's, yeah, it's fine. I can do that. I got up to smile, you got up to smile. But yeah, Finton, like, it's obviously going really well for you at the moment, so it gives you a lot of confidence for Paris. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, just being being here with, obviously, the girls, our families, we train, we train side by side every day. And we just put in a huge yeah. amount of work and huge amount of miles, and it's just really special. So. Yeah, I know. You're, you're not sick of the side of each other by this stage, no? Oh, yes. <laughs> so this is the end of the season for you all. So what happens next? Uh, some parties. <laughs> bit of rest, bit yeah. of some parties, maybe. Yeah. Paul was giving me quite a tough interview there. He, he wouldn't a smile for me so will you try and get him to smile a little bit later on now we'll try we'll try we'll get something yeah. well look well done to, to you all um, lads go and enjoy that podium ladies what was it like up there it's yeah, pretty, pretty special yeah pretty special yeah. really good well, well done once again the nation's proud of you as well so Thanks best of luck thank you thank- yeah it's quite incredible to be fair I suppose we don't really realise the work that, that goes into that from, from the two lads you know it's almost as if they turned up today and just won it you know that kind of way but uh, like you know the like uh, David Gillick said there like with the studies they're all doing and all of that uh, it's uh, fairly incredible I was also reading um, in the in the sort of star about uh, Finta McCarthy and that pressure he felt um, when I suppose he took the reins over from um, from Gary O'Donovan and uh, look he has 
he has delivered and more you know like uh, it's uh, incredible stuff from the two of them and like you know surely there's more to come and like that Paris on the way imagine that another gold medal that would be uh, the crowning glory you'd have to say and uh, now we have found those results and the leaderboard of the Women's Irish Open at Tremol in Castle and Van Dam leads on 11 under outright leader the Dutch uh, the Dutch woman um, has a one shot lead over Carmen Alonso and a group of how many one two three four five six altogether tied for second and uh, Leona Maguire uh, two shots off the lead now it's incredible recovery because like yesterday she was two under one stage eight shots off the lead and it looks like she had absolutely no chance of being in contention but yeah tied for eight now two shots off the lead all to play for tomorrow and uh, it's great because you know that'll give it some real excitement now tomorrow you know you have to say um, I suppose the other, only other golf ongoing at the moment the President's Cup uh, the USA are leading um, team international or whatever they like to call themselves it's 10-4 anyway uh, so a bit of uh, I'd say that's going to be a bit of a, a walkover uh, come tomorrow now let's move on to Gaelic games um, where before we get into local action and local results um, there's big news out of the Congress um, there will be national football and hurling finals league finals next year um, the early season showpiece events were up for discussion at the meeting of the GA's Ard Corla this afternoon and the press release uh, today has said that they have decided to retain the league finals and the All-Ireland football final is going to be moved to July 30th in 2023 it was July 25th or something this year was announced so it's not that much of a difference is it like um, elsewhere the Joe McDonough Cup final uh, is now going to be played alongside the under 20 All-Ireland Hurling Final and that's because the Leinster and Munster finals Hurling Finals are going to be on the same day which is just a massive own goal if you ask me like you know because there are plenty of people who do go to both of them you know and I know it's actually quite difficult to go to both of them now from an expense point of view but uh, just uh, I don't know like it's it's um Anyway, uh, the under-20 development leagues are going to be retained. So as far as I know, it's looking like there's not going to be any change back to age groups. I just saw um, Michael Ryan on RT's coverage of the Tipperary Championships uh, really advocating for that uh, you know, return to the under-18 and under-21 at all levels, um, which the GA just seem to don't want to do. Um, so I don't know. I think it's up to county boards you now to just go and take that on themselves like it's it's tough because there's you know there's pros and cons of both sides of the argument and it's it is really difficult to strike a balance but it does seem that like we're all looking for change and all that and change in formats to make the championships exciting and uh, it might have been just a bit of patience to wait for teams to just level out a bit and since they have gone at structures and calendars and all that it just it's been a bit of a headache and um, the other uh, main headline from that press release was that inter-county teams uh, must only return to collective training on the 24th of November um, so uh, is that early or late? It's, well it's both probably in a way but uh, I, I'd say back to train 24th of November or they'll be inside anyway surely inside the gym or something like that um, anyway uh, other than that the other big news from that um, or Corla the Gaelic Games Associations are pleased to announce that former President of Ireland Mary McAleese has agreed to be independent chairperson of the integration process between the Camogie Association the GEA and the Ladies Gaelic Football Association so that is very big news and that's going to be a massive change and it was much needed because you know the, the three organisations 
organisations had kind of been pushing and pulling in different directions um, so over the course of this year all three Gaelic Games associations separately discussed integration towards a one association model uh, Mark Dorman has been confirmed as project manager for the integration process a timeline on discussions between Chairperson McAleese and the three associations will be agreed in the coming weeks to advance the project so that is quite big news uh, and it's going to really shake up um, the GA scene and uh, yeah it, it'll be exciting certainly to see uh, what can happen once all three branches are under the one umbrella and hopefully it'll lead to you know equality and better you know better calendar and all of that kind of stuff for, for everyone playing the games um, now let's jump into the local action last night huge huge win for Corsi Rovers you know the new boys up from Premier Intermediate and now they're into the Senior A County Final 5-14 to 14 points they defeated Fermoy last night and I spoke to their manager Sean Gaheen today Alright I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Corsi Rovers boss Sean Gaheen Sean thanks for joining us Thanks very much Aidan I suppose first of all um, fantastic victory last night over Fermoy in the Senior A semi-final How do you feel this morning? Ah sure look it's a great feeling you know to, to, to be in a fi- County Final uh, back to back it's, it's a fantastic achievement from the players you know and, and just delighted for the players and, and, and the club and the, uh, the, the community they're, they're lovely people and you know they're just, just enjoying the journey you know Yeah like I suppose you know like uh, I suppose not every year is going to be like the, the last two years that you know getting to two county finals in a row how much of it uh, as much as staying focused how much of it do you kind of just have to kind of take it all in I suppose to, like I, I think you got to make the most of it as you say it doesn't happen like every year's like like this, but so I'd be I'd be encouraging the players. You just make the most of your time and um, just just as an opportunity and, and and try to make the most of it and enjoy it as well. You got to enjoy it and, and and the experience of the whole thing and embrace it as well. You know. Yeah, like, uh, and I suppose then last night, uh, it's, it's always uh, it's always special to play under lights. I suppose in Parky Cueve and in a big game. I suppose you must have just been relishing it coming up to it. Yeah, we, like we we I suppose like the the, the, the qualifying, we weren't happy with our performance, and the lads they, they set high standards for themselves, and um, we trained very well the last two weeks uh, prior to the game uh, last night, and there was a great buzz I could feel in the camp. They were in good form, and and again, I think Parky Cueve is just something special about Parky Cueve and the lights. I just, uh, the stadium, the, you know, the, the the pitch itself is it's just fantastic, and I think players appreciate it. They get the opportunity to play in Parky Cueve like that. It doesn't come around as we say too often. So when it comes around, you just enjoy it. Uh, the game itself, I suppose, when you have a guy that can go and get you four goals, um, you be you be you would, uh, settle the nerves a bit on the sideline. Yeah, look, I, I, with Sean, I, I, he's probably you know we've he's, he's a savage player, and you know we're delighted he's playing with Corsi Rovers. Um, you know he probably do a match like that. Um, he, you know he's probably getting frustrated with himself. He loves to be getting the ball all the time, but sometimes you don't get the ball into him. Last night, to be fair to the players outside, they got the ball and they got quality ball into him. And um, look, you know what he can do when he gets the ball. In hand. Um, and then later for me he was super problem last night for us to be fair um, I suppose uh, you know you, you, you kind of you get to sit back today now and watch uh, your your uh, whoever your opponents are going to be last year did you have to did you, were you playing the second semi-final or did you get to take in the second one um, last year we, we did we actually we played first last year and then we went to watch Balhasek and uh, Castellines in Parky Rink so it probably is a, nice, is, is a nice way to be going down you're in the final and you're looking at your your opponents um, similar to today I'd be down there today obviously um, they're two very very good teams to, to be fair I, I think like after one game this year 
this was billed as, as the final uh, by Rovers versus Farrell Neils. So it should be a cracker tonight, you know. But look, uh, for our point of view, look, we, we, we're probably in a good position. We, we, we'd be big underdogs um, going into the game, you know. Um, so that, that, that's a tag we have no fear of and, and I, I, I relish that tag actually you know Excellent stuff well Sean look I'm sure we'll talk to you again before the big day uh, congrats again and thanks for joining us on the Big Red Bench Thanks Aidan bye you're a gentleman Yeah great stuff there from Sean Gaheen and uh, what a what a season what a two seasons for, for Corsi Rovers they'll find out who they face um, tonight the second semi-final of the Co-op Superstore Senior Icon Sterling Championship will be played this evening for the O'Neills versus Bride Rovers at Parky Cueve 7.30 and yeah winners go on to face Corsi's in the final in the Premier Intermediate uh, hurling semi-finals Balin Hassig played in Ascara in Clock Dove and it ended uh, Balin Hassig 115 in Ascara 118 so in Ascara by three points into the final and uh, the second semi-final of that is approaching half time it's Castle Martyr to 11 Castle Lions to 9 there was a double header of quarterfinals at Castle Road in the SE Systems Camogie Championship Killa have been defeated by St Finbars in the first game 313 to 211 and uh, ongoing at the moment it's just half time there actually it's Corsi Rovers and Sarsfields and it's Corsi's 1-7 Sarsfields 7 points so uh, what a great weekend it would be for Corsi Rovers if they got uh, if they uh, to if the, 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 the hurling team and the Camogie team managed to get uh, wins and a uh, final and a semi-final in the county championships on the uh, cards. Now uh, let's turn our attention to the Premier Senior Hurling Championship because tomorrow two huge games at Parky Cueve Aaron's own face Black Rock at 2pm St Finbar's play Newtown Challenge at 4 I've been speaking to the Echoes Dennis Hurley on tomorrow's action Dennis Hurley hurling analyst with the Echo joins me on the line Dennis uh, two huge games in Parky Cueve tomorrow semi-finals of the Co-op Superstores Premier Senior Hurling Championship um, I suppose first of all I, I've been in studio most weekends so I kind of want to get to see the results coming in but it seems like it's been a very exciting championship all around this year Yeah I think it has Aidan uh, I think the, the change to the, the group stages and, and just having 12 teams in the competition has definitely Sort of to kind of tighten the the, the kind of the spread of quality. Um, it, it, it's a very even and open championship. Like you look at the fact that Middleton, the champions last year, didn't get out of a group this year, and of the four semi finalists, Black Rock were the only ones who were there um, last year. So definitely does point to you know a fairly fairly democratic spread, um, which which can only be a good thing. Are you surprised with the four teams that are left in the semi finals? Uh, I suppose you you know you're you're not really um you know because when when anyone is in with a chance you know you're kind of you you're not um you're not really um flabbergasted if any of them get this far you know you, you can get a a good run in in the group stages and you know win a semi final or win a quarter final sorry and you know it, it it's uh, it's not a, a long journey to get there I suppose um. Like I, I was talking to Aaron Zones manager, all right, Martin um, Bowen during the week, and they have the automatic semi-final spot. And he said maybe they were a bit surprised to get to get that. But again, you know, it it kind of you can just fall for you that you end up with the top seeding. Um, so you know, but but even then, Aaron Zones were in the quarterfinals last year, semi-finals the year before. Um, the Bears maybe I suppose having knocked out of the group the last two years. And being in such a tough group then this year with Black Rock and Sarsfields and Charleville, um, they're probably considered a bit of a surprise package. But there's so many good players in the Cork 
Cork panels um, over the last few years, you were kind of looking at them as having potential. And then um, BlackRock, obviously, semi-finalists last year, champions year before, um, and semi-finalists, I think, the year before that as well. You know, they're, they're obviously, um, you know, a, a force to be reckoned with at the moment. And um, Newtown Chandram, I suppose, maybe might have surprised people. But, but again, they have a mix, a mix of youth and experience and you know, once they can order the group and we're up against Glen Rovers, I suppose they, they fancied fancied themselves in what was a, a fairly fifty fifty encounter and they came out the right side of it and you know, they they'll be underdogs against the Bears, but I don't think they'll fear anything either. Um I suppose uh, let's just start with the first one, Aaron Zone against Black Rock at two PM. Uh, as you said there, Aaron Zone had the, the extra week off, they were automatically through. And it's always a tricky one then, isn't it, when you are that automatic qualifier because your opponents have had that extra game. Yes, you've had the break, but you know, you you, you are down that game and you've to replicate that in training, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And even even last night in the senior A semi final from all, we're probably just that bit rustier against the Corsair Rovers team that had played a quarter final and come through a, a winner take all final group game and it, you can't you can't really replicate it like so it is you know it's an advantage in one sense that you avoid having to play a quarter final but then you're just having to make sure that you hit the ground running um, in the in in the semis like so it, it's a double edged sword definitely but you know it, it, I suppose. If you ask any team at the start of the competition, would they want to get that, that top seeding? They'd probably take it. Um, Louis Mulqueen has really seemed to re-energise the, the Rockies. Um, what have you made of them so far this year? Uh, he, um, they, I suppose they, they've been a mix. Um, I suppose nobody has been perfect so far, which again just shows how, how anyone can kind of beat anyone else. Like they, they did a great win against Sars in the first game. With, um, Alan Connolly's late goal turned it their way and then they they tore out of the blocks against the Bears in the second match and you know they they should have been out of sight or they could have been out of sight anyway and they ended up losing that and then bounced back to to get the better of Charleville in, in the last match a game that that didn't go all the, all their own way and then obviously in McKinley in the quarterfinals going all the way to penalties um you know again could have lost it as easy as they won it but it's the kind of one that you take huge huge heart from um, and obviously when they have so many of the guys who won medals in 2020 you know they they, they have that belief and the experience and Louis McQueen's a guy who has had success at, at various places um, in, in Clare and, and in Galway in the past and he definitely sees this as a a challenge but I, I think it's one he, he's he's um, he's definitely enjoying If you had to call it Aaron Zone or Black Rock which one do you think is going to come off the right side? It, it's it's a very tough one um, like obviously Aaron Zone had the top seeding and they beat Black Rock in, in the first game last year Black Rock's first match as, um, as defending champions but I just wonder with, with that extra time off and with Black Rock just kind of building up ahead of steam if they might come out the right side of it um, at 4pm then I suppose maybe a bit more straightforward to look at because the two teams did come through uh, quarterfinals um, but what a semi-final it is you know two real traditional forces in Cork hurling uh, both enjoying that kind of resurgence St Finbars versus Newton Chandram it's a great matchup Absolutely yeah like wh- whoever wins you're going to have a team in a final for the first time since 2009 or the first time since 1993 so you know it, it'll be ending ending away whichever way um, like I said, like the the bars were, were probably seen as the the third ranked team in, in that group with with Sars and the Rockies, but 
they came out of it unbeaten um, two great wins after drawing the opening match against Charleville and there's a real kind of youthful vigour to the team you know because they've had guys who won all Ireland with Cork at minor and under 20 in the last few years and then um, the, Damien and Conor Callan, obviously Cork seniors Billy Hennessy was in the Cork senior panel in recent years as well so there's there's a lot of excitement around the bars Um you know, Douglas was a game that I suppose well, was a test for them. Um, given that Douglas had been knocking on the door with a while now, and they came through that well, um, and you know they're beginning as favourites, I suppose. Um, but Newtown, you know, a great win against the Glen. Um, like the return of Carl Nocton has been a big boost, and Jamie Cockton is there as well, and. You know, obviously Tim O'Mahony, and they've they've kind of been adding young guys as well. Um, you know, the the underage section's been going well in Newtown with a while, and even this year they got to a Premier Two minor semi final. Um, but I just wonder if if the Bears might kind of have a bit more um bit more firepower for them. Um, they're able to get scores from from all over the field. Um, and they showed against um against Sars like that they can get goals if if they're on. Um. The only the only thing is is that the weight of expectation will will be heavy, um. So that, that'll be something for the Bears to contend with. But I I would just give them the edge now on. I suppose just looking at Newtown, Cotton Octon has been a real tonic for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, the guy brings a wealth of experience, um, and like he was he was a huge um, a huge presence in in the match against the Glen, um, you know he. He, um, I think he's 35 now, but he was he's still able to put in a, a huge shift uh, at midfield, like which just shows the, I suppose, the level of professionalism that that he still has, um, you know, to be able to keep himself in that kind of shape, and you know, you just bring a kind of an authority, and and guys, guys listen when you talk, like, and you know, he he's the kind of guy who who leads by example, and then when you have Jamie Cockton as well, who who's played for Cork, like, and who's able to, um. Who's able to come in with, with key scores, and then Cormac O'Brien too? Like you know, they they won't, they definitely won't be overawed by the fact of facing the bars. Um, and so they, I think they they'll be able to go go out and hurl, you know, and then just kind of give it give it what to have. I was talking to their selector, Jordi O'Mahony, during the week, and he says, "Oh, year it's been a case of leaving all out in the pitch that." They, they they topped their group kind of maybe unexpectedly by beating Douglas in the last match but even if Middleton had beaten Kentark and Newtown had been knocked out with two wins out of three they'd have been as proud of the lads as they were by topping the group um, and you know they, they built on that then against the Glen so they'll they'll be relishing the, the challenge again yeah, finally then, as you said, there is going to be pressure on, on St. Finbar's, I suppose, any team like that who's trying to end that, that kind of long wait. Um, but I suppose if you're to have a man in charge uh, like Jor Cunningham, it's not it's not a bad shout. Like, you know, he's going to be well able to, to handle that expectation. Well, that's it, absolutely. You know, he he won county county titles as a player with the Bears and he won... He won um, All Ireland with, with Cork, um, so he he definitely um, can, can impart a wealth of knowledge. And there's there's a strong strong backroom team there there as well, um, like said John Kremen and Sean McCarthy there with him. And you know during the league it looked like they were struggling, but when you have that many inter county players, you can't. Um, 
you know, you, you can't hope that anything near your first choice team out at that time of the year. But what it does is it gives other guys a chance to have some important game time. And I think that's probably helped them build a squad, you know, that you have you have guys who are able to come in when needed. Um, and I think it stood to them and they've been able to... Um, to kind of really get going now um, as the championship has gone on. So then it's uh, the Bears and the Rockies that, that you're tipping to come through. I I think if if I had to put my neck in the block, that's what I I would expect. But you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we were looking at any any of the four possible final combinations. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be a fantastic day's hurling, Dennis. Thanks a million for joining us on the Big Red Bench. All right. Thanks, Aidan. Yeah, Dennis Hurley there uh, talking us through what's going to be a massive day of hurling tomorrow at Parky Cueve. Just before we go to the break, it's all over in a classic uh, in the Premier Junior Hurling Championship semi-finals. Um, we went to extra time and tracked in with a one-point win over Kilbritton, 125 to 27 points. And you can hear reaction to that um, on tomorrow night's big red bench. Jeremy Carty was there for us and he has... Um, um, the uh, tracting camp and uh, you can hear that tomorrow evening now we're going to head into the break after that we're going to talk Ireland versus Scotland and we're going to give Dylan O'Connell a call who's at Hampton Park don't go away The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Miss the show grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie The Big Red Bench you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock before we jump into Ireland versus Scotland. Shelburne are the first team into the final of the Women's FA Cup this afternoon. Uh, Noel King's side beat Bohemians 1-0 at Tolka Park thanks to a penalty from Noel Murphy. Athlone Town looks set to join them. They were leading well against champions Wexford Youth 3-0 uh, in the second half of their semi-final. Uh, Bohemians leading Fenerps 2-0 and that game is probably over by now uh, in the Premier Division that was a big chance for Finn Harps to get off the bottom of um, of the Premier Division uh, Ryan Rainey was sent off for the home side Declan McDade and Jordan Doherty with the goals uh, it finished Longford 1 Treaty United 1 in their first division clash at Bishopsgate now let's jump into the big game uh, Ireland of course back in action in the Nations League it's not been a competition that's been too kind to us but we have registered a win uh, this time around um, before we uh, get uh, over to Dylan O'Connell at Hampton Park elsewhere in the group Ukraine beat Armenia 5-0 which means Ireland will have to win their final two games to have any chance of becoming second seeds in the Euro 2024 qualifier draw uh, yeah like that's a bit you know we lost to Armenia and Ukraine beat them 5-0 and you know what we should have beaten Ukraine the last time we played them so look uh, I think the way the, the international break works at the moment that first game back is always a bit even though it's Ukraine's second game but you know what I mean it's all the international break I don't know anyway let's go to Dylan O'Connell at Hamden Park alright uh, I'm on the line now to Dylan O'Connell of the Echo who is at Hamden Park Dylan thanks a million for joining us on the Big Red Bench oh thank you very much for ha- thank you for having me not at all I suppose first of all how's, uh, how's the atmosphere building up so far I know it's a, a good bit to go uh, until kick off yet but uh, in and around the stadium and everything like that you're just after getting in there what's the atmosphere like Oh, brilliant! Like uh, I arrived in, in Edinburgh this morning, or this morning about noon, I think, about noon one o'clock, and like the whole day, just Ireland, Irish fans, Scottish fans, mixing, singing, drinking. It's a brilliant, really kind of proper festival atmosphere, which is one of the things we love about football. 
Exactly, yeah. And like, you know, in fairness, Ireland and Scotland, it's been feisty on the pitch, but to be fair, off the pitch, it's usually fairly jovial. Yeah, it's like, I remember a couple of years ago in the Six Nations, I know it's a completely different sport. Some refer to it as Celtic Cousins, and I kind of like tend to agree with that. Like, we kind of, I suppose if you go so if you go up to Belfast or Larne, it's only a stone throw across the water, really, where we get on quite well with each other as, as like, as neighbouring countries. Exactly, yeah. Um, I suppose it's going to be a very tough game tonight for Stephen Kenny's men. Scotland, 3-0 winners over Ukraine a couple of nights ago. They looked fairly impressive. Yeah, and like, and like Ukraine, they started really strong, they had a really strong start to the Nations League campaign and they're set aside by Scotland who are actually missing their captain and probably their best player as well, Andy Robertson. So Stephen Kenny and the squad will have their work cut out tonight. Like the game is sold out. There's a great buzz around the town. So not only do you have to deal with the fact that like it's an informed Scottish team, you have to deal with the fact that like Hamden Park will be called from some quarter to late this evening. And like you know, we're it's funny that Ireland have this bit of an issue with uh, which of the ten unbelievable centre halves we're going to pick. Uh, Scotland then, I suppose, Steve Clark has the decision to make whether he's going to start Lyndon Dykes, who scored uh, during the week, or Shea Adams, of course, who's been playing fairly consistently well for Southampton over the last couple of seasons. Um, it's just it's interesting, I suppose, they're they're going to go right up against each other. It'll probably be those two decisions are going to probably decide the game. Yeah, definitely. Like, even Burnley, I feel like more like on our forward line as well. Like, we could easily put, like, even Chidoz Yagbene, for example, he can play as a forward and he can play as a left wing back. So, Ireland have a great, like, diversity as well where we can play forward line. But with us, I feel like Stephen Kenny isn't going to change things too much. He'd probably play the same, like, 3 5 2 or some variation of that. Like, you could only bank it if Shane Duffy will start and John Egan. And it's then a question of who will start, like, who will be the third centre back pairing. And like when it comes into wing backs, I'm more than likely fancy Seamus Coleman will probably play right back along with Matt Doherty. But like again, I wouldn't. There, there could be, like they could play, start James McLean playing left wing back. I highly doubt it. He probably brought on as a sub. But like even though Ireland do have a lot to pick for him, I feel like he probably won't try and change anything. Yeah, and the, the biggest thing probably. Sorry, could be Robbie Brady. He could be yeah. starting. But that's about it. Yeah, Brady's an interesting one, I suppose, back in the fold. And, you know, if, if Ireland do play that 3 5 2, he'd be fairly handy there as, as a left wing back, you think? Yeah, definitely. Because, like, you know, the role of a left wing back isn't just defending, it's also getting forward, it's putting numbers in midfield. And, like, Robbie Brady has that. Like, he originally came through Man United as a left midfielder. He became a left, a left back then later on in his career, so he has a skill set in his locker. He can score goals. We know that from your 2016. So like he's a good versatile player to have there, and and I suppose that versatility is suited to that position. Yeah, and he's there at Preston, of course, and there's a, a fine Irish contingent um, at Preston. They've had an interesting start to the season. I think at one stage before the last round of championship games, they had the best defensive uh, start to a season ever in the championship, but they also had the worst attacking start. Uh, but uh, the, himself, Troy Parrott, uh, you've Alan Brown there, of course. Uh, you, they'll all be pretty important tonight, you'd imagine. Yeah, and like I'm a firm believer that like club form can carry over to like national team form because you know you de- players develop certain connections with each other. Players develop certain like you know they know things about themselves. Like even if you look at like I don't know it's an extreme example, but look at Spain back in 2010 when they won the World Cup and won the Euros. There's a lot of Barcelona players there, and like you'd imagine on the pitch this evening there will be a fair link up between Troy Parrott, Alan Brown, Robbie Brady because they all know each other. They all you know they know what's about. They don't make each other tick. They know how to bring the best of each other. 
Um, in terms of the game, like it's going to be, I can already tell this is going to be a, a bit of a tense affair because it's it's Scotland will be looking for revenge. Like we gave them a, a fairly handsome beating, like in Dublin there a couple of months ago. So they're going to be really up for it. And Ireland, it does usually take them kind of a game to get back into things when they come back from from such a kind of a long break without being seeing each other. Yeah, like I remember, like I remember last last summer for the like Ireland went into it. They were on an ace game, unbeaten run in all competitions, and then they went off to Armenia and got sucker punched. Was it one or two? No, I can't remember the exact result. Even against Ukraine, there's they still kind of felt like they're still trying to figure themselves out. Who was doing what? Who was you know who would take the risks? But then it was the Scotland game. They finally found their groove there and then. But like tonight is a derby essentially, so like Ireland. I would definitely be, I suppose, fired up from the point of view of the fact they know this is a derby. They know that, you know, it's like if they're playing England in Wembley, Wales, in the Blenheim Stadium, Cardiff, or Northern Ireland, Belfast. They know this is essentially a derby. So that would definitely light a fire. And and also as well, I suppose, a big factor in that game against Scotland uh, in Dublin was Michael Obafemi and the difference he made and the different type of player he is. Yeah, he's outstanding that night that in Dublin that day that he didn't just get a goal, he also got an assist and the ball he put in for Troy Parton's score <laughs> I apologise was inch perfect so like like it was an inch perfect ball he put into the box that night he's such a versatile tracker he's not just a striker not a number nine he put into the box he can do so much yeah, I suppose realistically, you're just hoping tonight that they can back up the progress they've they've made over the last eighteen months. Realistically, I suppose well, twelve months, I suppose, and uh, just give a good account. And I suppose you'd nearly take a result here. I I think the top in the group is probably uh, a bit uh, stretched too far at this stage. Even though a win would go a long ways to to, to writing that, but a result wouldn't be a bad uh, wouldn't be bad to take away tonight. Like they have a huge outside chance to top in the group, and I mean they need every single result to go their way, and I mean. They need everything from every single way the ball is kicked to go their way for that to happen. But it's all about keeping momentum going, like because we're going into the World Cup, or sorry, the European Chips, the draw for the qualifiers, the European Championships is on the 9th of October, as far as I know. So keep momentum going into that campaign, you know, to get a formula where everyone knows the roles, everyone knows what we're doing, because we're no longer figuring things out now. And like the next one is the crunch campaign for Kenny. Exactly. Well, that's it. Uh, Dylan, I'm massively jealous of you once again at Hampton Park, but uh, enjoy the game. Hopefully Ireland can can get over the line. Oh, fingers crossed. Thank you very much for having me on, Aidan. Yeah, and the starting 11 is out and Dylan is uh, just uh, been texting him there. He's very surprised <laughs> with a good few calls. Uh, the team is Bazunu, Collins, Egan O'Shea, Doherty and McLean, wingbacks, Cullen, Malumbi, uh, and then you have Paris Knight and Abafemi up front, which I'm quite surprised with a good few of the calls. Uh, I suppose just looking at the uh, back five, um, obviously Doherty, right wing back, McLean, left wing back, Collins, Egan, O'Shea. I imagine O'Shea will be the right of centre. Uh, Collins, I imagine, will be in the middle because he did very well against Ukraine there and Egan on the left. Now, Egan could play in the middle but just play him on the left because he's really good there and O'Shea is naturally on the right so you'd imagine that's the way they'll slot in. Uh, Colin, Malumbi and Knight, I suppose, in midfield together with Parrish and Obafemi up front or I suppose it could be, you know, more of, uh, I suppose, Parrish and Knight in behind Obafemi. But like that, that front three, like if, if that's Paris, Knight, Obafemi, they're going to be, they're not going to be very rigid they're going to be 
wee bit all over the place. That didn't really suit them at all the last time against, um, was it against Armenia? But there was no real focal point to it. But at least if it is Paris now, Bafemi up front in a two together, Knight is in midfield with Cullen and Malumbi might make a bit more difference. But uh, Malumbi should bring plenty of energy to that midfield in fairness. Um, Dylan has been tweeting. He says it's uh, the average age of the Irish team is 24.3, which is very, very young. And uh, he's also picked out the... um, the decision to play part over uh, Chidoze Ogbeni as uh, very interesting of course Ogbeni promoted the championship he's five goals already this year um, but um, he's he says that Kenny is clearly going with what worked in June as opposed to who was in form uh, Paris and Obafemi obviously did work very well in that 3-0 win over Scotland but it's harsh on Chidoze Ogbeni who's played fairly well for Ireland and uh, also very well for his club coming into this um, but uh, yeah uh, it's 7.45 is the kickoff there uh, let's quickly hear from the Scotland camp before we hear from Stephen Kenny and uh, Bishop Stone's John Egan and Debbie Dorney's John Egan of course uh, Scotland manager Steve Clark hopes John McGinn can eventually get to 100 caps and keep playing a major part in the team's successes the Aston Villa midfielder is due to make his 50th appearance uh, for his country in tonight's game uh, McGinn is also uh, he's been the captain in place of Andy Robertson who were very lucky to be fair not to be coming up against um, and John McGinn is starting um, the, the Scotland team actually just before we go into this clip from Stephen Clark is Craig Gordon Aaron Hickey Jack Hendry Scott McKenna Kieran Tierney starts I suppose yeah one one left back goes out of high quality Tierney is pretty high quality as well um, McTominay McGregor and McGinn midfield Armstrong and Christie on the wings and it's Lyndon Dykes who starts up front uh, but yeah Stephen Clark he's been speaking or Steve Clark's been speaking about John McGinn and he rates him very highly his contributions, his goal scoring record, his assists. He can play different midfield positions. He brings his own bubbly, bright personality into the group. He, he's, he's a key key member of the squad on and off the pitch. Yeah, and that's going to be a really hard Scotland team to contain for, for Ireland uh, tonight. Uh, let's hear from uh, Stephen Kenny, who was speaking during the week, and he uh, sat down next to John Egan in front of the media ahead of tonight's game. Yeah, it's um, it's it's obviously a long time ago. Um, you know, it was uh, so, you know tremendous tremendous support from Dunfermline support at that time. I remember, you know. Nearly eighteen thousand people coming up, up, up around the stadium there from the Burn and it was tremendous passion about the game itself and and the run of course playing Rangers Hearts and Hibs. Um, Craig Gordon actually was in goal for Hearts that time and that was, but it shows you how long ago it was. I I had four children under seven then at the final, um, at the time where the youngest was only one, and then. They're coming tomorrow. They haven't been in Hamden since. They're coming tomorrow, and of course the youngest is now sixteen. So and the, and the rest of them are are uh, finished school and, and and you know in the in the real world. So it's um, it's that that gives an indication uh, how long ago that was. How did you try and go and create new memories this time around? Well, it's. Um, it's a great occasion. We're delighted to come to Hamden, full house. It's it's you know a very special special game. The players, both sets of players, I'm sure are looking forward to it. Um, we treat every game in isolation. 
you know, Scotland have had a good win the other night. We respect that. You know, they've played well. And we played well in our last few games. And, you know, I think from, from our point of view, with this Irish team, it's a, it's a new it's a new Ireland, it's a new Irish team, it's a new identity. It's we've, we've brought you know, given over sixteen players their international de- debut in eight, eighteen months. You know, the style of play is what the Irish public are connecting with in a major way. And I think uh, right throughout the country, wherever we go, we're inundated with people who connect with this this team now. The mixture of youth and experience. We we've had uh, to. So, you know we've had to suffer a little bit in terms of some results in the in the rebuilding but 44,000 sold out on Tuesday night against Armenia already um, you know for, for a game on a Tuesday night against Armenia that's not a, a Euro qualifier a World Cup qualifier so that'll give you an indication of the level of support in the team at the moment throughout the country people are excited by the team and um and the crowd have been extremely passionate. You would have felt that if you were in the game. I'm not sure if you're in the game against Scotland, India, Viva. It's a tremendous away support. Now this will be our biggest away support because since we've come in, we've just had obviously COVID issues and not really. You know, we had uh, away fans at some matches, but this will be our biggest away support um, since we've become manager. So it, it's uh, Irish fans travel throughout throughout the world, and uh, so from that point of view, it's a special game. Hi Stephen, um, obviously going into this one, a lot of people are reflecting on that match in Dublin, the performance you put in, obviously the result that you got as well. What specifically convinces you that you can produce that game, you know what I mean? uh, Well every game is different, we can't, we're not dwelling on that game, we're not, we're not, we're not dwelling on it, I think uh, we have to, move, have to move on from that. And it's a new challenge, it's a different challenge. We were coming back into that game on the back of of losing um, losing two games in fact which which was uh, which were, so we were disappointed going into that game and but even though we lost those two games it's only that means we've only had three defeats in 16 this team so it's not been you know it's, we've seen the, 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 the improvement to go toe to toe with Portugal home and away and to go play top teams like Serbia and Belgium and, and show our quality so it's um, uh, we can see the team evolving and uh, obviously this is a new game Scotland were were very good the other night you know they played very well and to be honest with you they've been very good since Steve Clark took charge and qualified for the Euros and you know they, they've uh, consistently you know been good over that period so anything we get we know that we'll have to earn. We'll have to earn that. You know, we'll definitely have to earn that. And uh, that's, that's we, we know that. You, you talk about a new identity, a new style of play that the support the Irish support are buying into. How far along that evolution are you? Do you feel going into this game with uh, Well, you know, we feel we can improve for sure. And we're, we're constantly looking to improve. And, and we feel we can improve on aspects of our performance against Scotland in fact um, so we, we have to we have to continue to strive to improve but that's that's um, we're not we're not we're not at our full potential no, no we're not uh, but I think um, 
we're, you know, we're, we're, we're continuing to improve. Um, you noted that Steve Cat changed his, um, his shape. Um, do you expect him to do similar against Ireland because it was successful against Ukraine? What else did you learn from watching that game against Ukraine? Yeah, I've really no idea. Uh, you know, Scotland consistently played a certain way, you know, and and obviously they've changed, they have the ability to change the shape. But, you know, with good players, you always have the, the opportunity to do that. So it's immaterial, really. For us, we've got to focus on ourselves and make sure that we're right. And th- that's what we're firmly focused on. Hey, hi, Stephen. Um, how are you injury-wise? Is anyone asking uh, injury wise you know we're completely no issues at all um, everyone everyone in the camp is fully fit um, no no one is even doubtful or any doubts no every, everyone is uh, is fit yeah and lastly um, that change in formation everyone's got in the middle you cannot change in approach we actually have to leave that one there I'll throw in the uh, couple of minutes we missed into the uh, edit of the podcast right after we finish up here um, the Irish under-19s earlier on um, beat Wales 2-0 in the second round of their European qualification campaign. Ireland made it two wins out of two in Group 4 thanks to late goals from Justin Farzaj and substitute and Cork City's own Franco Ume. Uh, it was enough to earn the Republic a significant three points and keep a second clean sheet in a row in the process. Now let's end on some rugby. Peter Ramatney will captain Munster in tomorrow's URC clash with the Dragons at Rodney Parade. His in Inclusion is one of eight changes to the team following last week's loss to Cardiff. Here is forwards coach Andy Kirichow and Paddy Patterson. That we all need to work on and sharpen up on, and, and that'll come as the more we, we play together. Um, we get our we get our timings together, and we have that feel of what certain players are going to do instinctively as well, um, and how we how we can support that. Um, that'll definitely add to I think more um, more accuracy and around our catch pass. Um, but in terms of in terms of the team um, side of things as well, you know, it's going to take some time for us to uh, to bed these things in. And um, the the great thing about it is we've got a nice a good long week now to um, to put right some of them things, uh, work on it, keep improving, so our performance improves at the weekend. Uh, breakdown stuff we can immediately address um, as we were challenged well by Cardiff there. Um, but some of the some of the kind of the pattern work and the and the face shape stuff that's that's we're seeing massive improvements from through the summer and through our um, through our preseason games into round one. You know, there's big improvements. Even even within those those three games, so what we expect we expect to keep improving, um, and it's it's always going to be a long term thing that we'll keep pushing ourselves on and uh, and testing each other. The way we're the way we're training is is designed to to stress the players, um, so it, it will inevitably take time, and uh, we should see improved performances as we as we move through. The good the good thing we took out of the game was even even with the areas that we've highlighted that we need to improve, we were always. At any point in touching distance of, of taking the game for, for a win away from home, um, which was which was very pleasing, um, and that's that's what I was touching on before in terms of how well we stuck in the fight. Um, it's, these these things are important. So if you're not going to win, we've got to make sure that we're coming away with a lo- the losing bonus point, and um, that was very pleasing from a, certainly from a coach's point of view. Um, the players probably didn't feel it at the time, but uh, in the long term, that that point could be the difference. So, look, it's uh, it's something we we're always we're always after. 
Yeah, it's, it's been fairly smooth. Um, I was I was pretty lucky in the fact that Wig Wig was the forwards coach pre uh, pre this season um, or last season, should I say? And um, he was he was very aligned in terms of the stuff that that we were we were trying to put into place with the academy, um, and and that alignment has helped not just for me transitioning into the the senior program, but also with our academy players that have come into the their senior contract first year senior contracts now. There's a very very much an aligned message, and the lads who are now currently in the academy who are training with us uh, on a daily basis that they're not missing a beat either so that, that's, that's been very handy to have have that all the way through and, and my role now is to is to pick that up with, with Tommy Yeah we're going to leave that there because we're out of time uh, that is it of course Ireland kicking off at 7.45 against Scotland at Hampden Park and you can hear reaction to that and of course to the two Premier Senior Hurling Championship semi-finals tomorrow Porky Queef on tomorrow's Big Red Bench with Rory um, if you missed this you can catch up on redfm.ie I'm going to throw the podcast up there right after this and until then then uh, stay tuned. Stevie G is on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.